because I still get it sometimes. I just get angry about it. I just get so angry about the whole situation. Like I just feel cheated and robbed. And the one thought that I can have uh, that I do get angry about the most is just that I didn't get the chance to say goodbye. Hi, welcome back to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Oh, today I have a wonderful guest that we have been talking about having them on for some time and we see each other quite often. And so I'm very excited to introduce y'all to uh, my really good friend who is also a fellow member of, as we've lovingly called it, the Dead Parents Club. So get ready for today's episode. But first, I do want to give a shout out to I've Been Better and let everyone know that we've officially reached 200,000, not 200,000, my gosh, that'd be amazing, (laughs) 2,000 plus downloads. So snaps for me, snaps for IBB. Thank you to all of our dedicated listeners. We are looking for more ways to reach people, though. You know, y'all can remember when I started this podcast, I would jokingly talk about how only 40 people listen to it or seven people listen to it and that it would be great if we could get more people to listen to it. And I'm all for people listening to their friends' episodes or their coworkers and sharing it that way. And it'd be really cool if we could get these stories out to more people because y'all have... Y'all as in the guests that have come on this show have been so vulnerable, and I want your stories to go as far as we can get them to go. So please, if you are on Apple, you use Apple devices, you have an iPhone, please rate, review, subscribe. That makes a really big difference to us. If you use Spotify, just please make sure you download the episode, share with people, tag us on social media. We're at I'veBeenBetter.pod on Instagram. We're also at I've Been Better on Facebook. If I had a Twitter, I would shout that out and plug that, but I don't use Twitter. And if anyone has any other thoughts, feelings, suggestions, want to help us in any way, that'd be great. Uh, We will eventually maybe start plugging some other local businesses that we'd like to talk about on the show as well. So if you're out there, let us know. Um, Also, I want to shout out allergy medicine because I am fighting some really strong grass allergies right now. So anyone who lives in the South, Southeast, who can relate to summertime allergies, they're awful because of the humidity and the humidity makes them worse. And it's never fun to be sick in the summer, let alone feel super stuffed up and feel like you can't breathe in the summertime. So shout out to, I started taking Zizol, X-Y-Z-A-L with a little owl on the commercial. And it does wonders for you, but it will dry you up really fast. So please be very careful with taking allergy medicine if you're not sure what they're going to do to you at the end of the day. But I'm a, I would would say I was a diehard Claritin user. I've been prescribed to take it every single day for quite some time. And now I've been using Zizol to help with the added allergies. So not at the same time. That is a no-no for any medical professional out there screaming at me right now. Not taking them at the same time. But Zizol was a lifesaver of this past week. As our wonderful guest sitting right in front of me, Kyle, can attest to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You uh, you didn't look that great on Tuesday. No. <laughs> kind of looked like dead in the face. I was really <laughs> uncomfortable. We yeah. went to get ice cream, y'all. We will talk more about this. But Kyle, as I mentioned just a minute ago, is a member of Dead Parents Club, which is a group that was talked about on Katie Ryan's episode back in season one, where there's quite a handful of us that live in the Raleigh area who all have had to experience the death and the loss of yeah. a parent. Yeah. It's the worst club, but with the best people. Yes, I love that. It's a club no one wants to be a part of. No one ever hopes to be a part of, but we will all end up in there someday, right? 
And it's not a club that you get invited to. Yeah, exactly. Nope. Unfortunately, you have to earn it the worst possible way. Yes. There is no hazing. There's no (laughs) trying out to be in the club. You just end up there. Uh, But we went and got ice cream as our biweekly meeting this past week. And ice cream, while suffering from severe allergies on like the most humid day of the week, was not a good combination. It 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 was fun. But yeah, we got out of there pretty quick. Quicker than normal. Yes. And when we sat inside, which was nice. And I was grateful for that. So let me formally introduce, this is Kyle Duryea. Welcome, Kyle. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, welcome. Thank you. Welcome to your own home, Susan. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. So to tell you all a little bit about Kyle, from my perspective, Kyle has become a really good friend of mine. And we'll talk more about how we even came to be associated with one another. Again, fellow member of the Dead Parents Club. He works in sales for wine and beer. He was born in Raleigh, and he is now not a transplant. He grew Grew up here, born and raised, and never left. Yes. Uh, An ideal evening for Kyle is a night at home with his partner, and he has a home-cooked meal, and he will spend it with his two cats, Thor and Charlotte. Yep. Big cat fam over there. Proud cat dad. Yes. And a fun fact, Kyle is colorblind. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese. It's it's one of everybody's favorite things to talk to me about. Like, kind of give me something like, what color is this or what color is that? And it's... (laughs) It's a fun party trick for you. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, It got old around 18. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I would think so. Yeah. I. It's funny that you say that people like to talk about it because maybe it's only that I haven't known you for too, too long. I actually rarely remember that you're colorblind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when are we sitting down being like, what color is that? Exactly. Yeah. So it used to be, and I think actually the way uh, my family discovered it is when I started to dress myself and it was never, never <laughs> even close. And, you know, uh, I had to stretch as a single person there for a while before I met or, uh, Katie came back in my life and it was it was rough. I mean, I was apparently wearing all sorts of colors with with pants and it's just, uh, <laughs> How did you get through that? Or did you label them with sticky notes like this is red, this is blue? So I actually cuz I don't see red well at all. So I am red green colorblind so I can't differentiate that well, but I don't own red. And unfortunately, some people tell me I look really good in red, can't wear it. Don't trust myself. <laughs> can't 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 trust it. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? UNC Charlotte. Okay, I, for and I that I think that's where I was in my head saying, well, how'd you get through college if you went to state? You didn't go to state. Yeah, yeah. There was no red there. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's still a lot of red in Charlotte, but but not as much. Yeah, that's too funny. Can yeah. you see the pod wall for y'all? It's a mustard wall. Can you see that? Does it look yeah, mustard? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's kind of great. So, so like at. I recently bought a house and we painted a wall terracotta and I love the look of it, but I guarantee you, I see it as a different color than everybody else. No way. Yeah. I remember that wall. It's a burnt orangey red Mm -hmm. color. Mm -hmm. It's, it's gorgeous. Katie loves it. And I mean, I love it too. We've got this bright blue bookcase in front of it, but I, I mean, I just kind of see it as like a really cool gray and I'm really into it. I love that. Yeah. I, I hope my laughing is not offending you oh, no. or anyone else in the colorblind community, but I I think that's fascinating. Yeah. It just goes to show you that when you look at somebody, you have no idea yeah. how they see the world, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, so like people, there's, if you like Google the, uh, the way people see colorblind people see the world, it's people always start to feel like bad for me because they're like, it just looks kind of like, drained of color like it's it's not that i can't see every color i just don't see everything as bright as everybody else or void of color have you watched those youtube videos maybe youtube's not the right word but those recorded videos online that have like a little boy who got glasses that could Mm -hmm. correct his vision and he's like sobbing when he can look at the world yes so so i asked an eye doctor about those uh it's probably been five 
five, six years ago. And they're like, that doesn't work for everybody. And he's like, and unfortunately he was like, most of the time he's like, I don't believe him because it can't work that quickly either. And they're like, I don't know, a thousand dollars. So it's just not, I, this is the way I live my life. I've never had any, well, I guess I should say I've had minor issues. <laughs> yeah. In the grand scheme of things, you can drive, yeah. you can live your life, you can eat food. Like yeah. it'd be different if maybe you like haven't like the individuals who've experienced COVID mm-hmm. that have lost their sense of taste or oh, smell God, yeah. for months and months and months. Oof. That sounds really difficult too. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise with the only time it's really inconvenient was like, hey, can you go grab that red thing? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I need you to describe the shape, not yeah. the color, yeah. right? Hey, it helps with communication. Yeah, exactly. Right? You get yeah. more granular and more specific. Yeah. I ask a lot of follow-up questions and everything in life now because of that. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good lesson learner. I'm sorry that you ended up having to be colorblind. That's genetic, yes? Yeah. So my dad's... So, and it's also, I guess, severe. So, like, when you go to the eye doctor, they ask you those little dot test things. I fail most of those. My dad only fails, like, the first two. Wow. So, like, he can still different. And, like, he loves plants. He can talk about a blue, all these colors of blooms. And I'm just sitting there going, like, yeah, looks kind of blue to me. And he's like, it's not blue. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. What color is it? Yeah. <laughs> Be more specific. Yeah. So, it sounds like, does it get genetically, excuse me, more severe? Oh, I have no idea. I don't even know if like my grandfather was colorblind or any of that stuff. Fair enough. But we know that you are for sure confirmed. uh, Unfortunately, but, but yeah, that's a fun conversation starter. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, Kyle, other than what you can and can't see. Um, like I said, I'm a Raleigh native. I love Raleigh. I, I remember growing up here in high school, couldn't wait to get out of Raleigh, went to school in Charlotte, spent five years down there, uh, loved it. And work brought me back to Raleigh and, I've at first I fought it, but I've slowly loved living in this area. It's loved the growth as we were talking about earlier. It's, it's crazy how much this area is changing. Um, I just bought a house in Durham. Congratulations. That was stressful, but exciting. And it is, uh, didn't know what a dream home was before I bought it. And now I can't imagine living somewhere else. Like it's just worked out so well. Y'all it's beautiful. You got a corner lot. Oh yeah. Lots of space. Two car garage, which I didn't think was possible anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I didn't even know garages were possible anymore. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's really nice. I officially live in Durham, which is kind of cool because I get we we've explored downtown Durham more than we ever had before. Yeah, we need to do a day in Durham. Yeah, we've talked about that. We definitely need to make that happen because it's 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 different. Raleigh is awesome. Durham is awesome, but they're awesome in different ways. They're very. And I don't don't know if the word starkly is appropriate here, but that's what just came to mind of that they are both great, as you said, like on the rating scale of great places to live, Mm -hmm. but for different reasons. And so they're starkly different in like what they offer, I feel like in the community in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like since we moved up there, most of our friends are still in the Raleigh area. So we'll come to hang out with friends in Raleigh. So we still get experience Raleigh. But like when me and Katie have gone out to a new restaurant or something, we're trying to stay and explore Durham. And that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, good. And a small disclaimer here, just because I think people will ask about this later, but who really cares that this is not Katie Ryan no, no. from previous guests. This is an additional Katie to yeah. our group. But, yes. But but Katie Ryan is one of my best friends. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I wanted to throw that out there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Shout out my partner, Katie, Katie Gurdon. Hey, Love Katie. you to death. We're all going to brunch together later today, so that'll be good. Kyle... You know, as I mentioned at the top of this hour, we are both members of the Dead Parents Club. And I'll share that I probably had only interacted with you maybe once that I can even remember birthday parties. I think it was somebody's birthday. And I didn't know right about what had happened in your life Mm -hmm. and that we shared this major theme Mm -hmm. 
of our lives, right? And we'll talk more about that. And then my partner, Josh, I had mentioned something that after Katie's episode back in season one, like, oh, we're going to do this Dead Parents Club. We're going to get together. You know, Kyle Durye is going to be on. He's like, oh, Kyle, Kyle's going to be there. And I was like, you know, how? what's happening? How do I not know this person? And so then our first meeting was at our friend Katie's house. And from there, Kyle and I, truly believe that we have somehow like we're related yeah something cosmically has like happened where we well we were born very close together and so Mm -hmm. maybe there's a lot of truth to astrological and moon signs and sun signs and your birth chart because we our lives are very scarily similar Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's freaked me out the more we get to know each other the more it is Kind of, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. To say the least, do you, do you want me to dive into the thing? Oh, yeah, Should yeah. we just like go back and forth? Yeah. Okay. Go. Well, so okay. So my birthday's in February, February twenty fourth. I'm February twenty first. Okay, great. Right, three days apart. Yep. That's the first get go. My mom died when I was in high school, but she did not die of breast cancer, but is a survivor of breast cancer. My mom also survived breast cancer. Yes, and your mom experienced multiple other yep. cancer diagnoses, which we will get into. Uh, your dad is currently remission slash going through prostate cancer. That is correct. My father died of prostate cancer. That's terrible, but crazy. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have the BRCA gene yep. in our families. Uh, you have siblings that yep. struggle with you know, breast cancer scares and the mm-hmm. BRCA gene. Yeah, yeah I've got two. And, and our sisters are... Much older than us. Yes. And half siblings. And half siblings. Yeah. Yep. So we both have older half siblings. We both have the BRCA gene. We both have parents that have similar Mm -hmm. backgrounds and mindsets. And there was something, of course, now I'm blanking on it, but I feel like it's, yeah, every time we talk, we're like, wait a second. Yeah. That now? This thing? Because we had, I think when this started was right before our birthdays. And like that started and we just kept talking. And like, I think you would just bring up your sister. And I was like, wait, my sister's older. Or wait, my sister, you know, earlier this year had a little scare with breast cancer and all this. Like every time we talked for like multiple meetings, it was just like, this is getting a little. Oh, I remember the other one. What was it? What do we share? What's happening this month? Oh, Jesus. This is the big one. So yeah, your father's death day and my mother's death day are the same day. Like just I'm like, of course, getting emotional thinking about that because that's happening very soon for both Kyle and I. But yeah, we were. I, yeah, yeah. How did, did we, we talked about that in a meeting and I went home and like we forgot to actually share the day, right? Yeah. So what we uh, harbor and value in this group is wanting to take time to talk about, of course, things that are related to the death of a parent, but also just make space for anything. And so we want to prioritize remembering mm-hmm. death days and birthdays and those sorts of things for our parents that are no longer here. And so we had said in a meeting, okay, hey, we need everyone to share if you feel comfortable, right? The day that your parent died so we can put them on a calendar and we can remember. So Kyle, we forgot. Kyle goes home. We have a group text. He sends the group text July 26. And I'm like, I get the text. I'm like, that, that can't be right. Uh, that's that's not happening right now. And so I, I went and checked my dad's birth certificate or death certificate just to make sure. I was like, no, 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 no. Maybe I have the day wrong. Like somehow I've decided it's July 26. And I text back and I was like, shut up. So so when you sent your text that you checked the death certificate, I went and checked obituary, death certificate, <laughs> everything else. Just like, am I crazy? Am, am I the crazy <laughs> yeah. one then? Like, And then we were both like, okay, that's yep. so weird. So clearly Kyle and I are meant to be friends. We're meant to be part of each other's lives in some capacity. And as he mentioned earlier, I couldn't have said it better. Wouldn't it have been great if we didn't have to be yeah. friends? Yeah, I would love reason. to know you, but not under these circumstances. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. And to think of what that would look like if things were different. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, we talked before we started recording about what's going on in your life. And we mentioned that your dad's struggling through some cancer diagnoses right now. And yeah, that your mom also is not with us anymore. So Kyle, talk to us about any of that. Dive in wherever you want to. Uh, I mean, I guess the best way to start is, you know, the name of the, the podcast is I've Been Better. And I can easily say that that was... You know, I could say that every day for a long time after my mom died. And it was. I, I mean, it was it was the hardest period of my life, but it was also the strangest, most confusing, most exhausting. Like it just never. And it's it's been it's about to be three years since it's happened. And I can I want to say I'm getting close to normal, but normal's not the same normal as it was before. Like, it'll never be the same way. We hear that often in the grief community when there's been a death of an immediate loved one mm. in whatever capacity that takes for you, that there's a before and after. Yeah. There's a delineation now in your life, a line in the sand of that person was in your life, that person's no longer in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when mom was here, when mom wasn't here. And it's, it's, it was, it was, I mean, just to get started with it, you know, my mom's death was a surprise. We didn't know it was coming. Uh, as uh, ironically, my mom was sick probably seventy-five percent of my life. But I, it also got to the point where, you know, she was always sick, but she always got better. So it was kind of became like, expected for her to get better. Yeah, like it was one of those things to where, you know, I I used to joke with. I think I told was talking to my middle sister about this one time. It's like, she's going to outlive all of us. Like yeah. nothing can actually take her down. She's had four cancers and yeah, she's still yeah, alive. She, I mean, I'll say she's had, I mean, the, the poor woman had an incredibly challenging life on the medical side of things and just, you know, not always bounced up all the way and quickly and everything, but it, nothing, it never really got scary. I mean, sure it got scary, but it never got to the point where we were like, Oh, she's really going to go now. Yeah, She's gone. And so this, and it got to the point where you kind of took that for granted. Like if anytime she was having something, you're just like, yeah, but it's mom. She's going to get better. And it was so when it happened and you didn't know it was coming, you just it just smacks you in the face. You're like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, I think I said that about 13 times a day for about six months. <laughs> yeah, until it really sets in. Yeah, um, which is ironic because like when it first happened, which... I, we've talked about this personally. You've talked about it on the show. It is insane how much has to happen when somebody dies, like setting up a funeral. You know, for us, you know, my mother's body had to go through. Unfortunately, the Wake County Medical Examiner's Office getting the body back, get so we could cremate my mom. Getting, you know, letting family know. I is not. I will say, and I'm going to speak for myself here, but that was one of the worst parts was having to be the communicator yeah. like the messenger yes. the messenger so i you know i was i'm kind of a pragmatic person so like when this happened my you know i kind of want to say my work mind switch flipped and i was like all right there's stuff to get done i'll be the one to you know step up and get this done i didn't want my dad to have to worry about it i didn't want my sisters to have to worry about it i didn't even want my brother-in-law's to have to worry about it i was like i can take care of this and i at the time i thought it was like really helping me like i thought 
you know, if I can stay busy, if I can get it all going, if I could take this pressure off everybody else, I'll feel good about it. And I did feel good about it. Well, it gives you something to do. Exactly. But it was also, I got, I got overwhelmed. I mean, it was, it was easy to do. I mean, it's just, and it was just a lot. I mean, it's... You think you're on a roll. You're like, okay, good. I've got... Yeah. All right, the body's going to come back. We got the funeral set for yeah. this day. We sent emails to grandma, grandpa, like, we're good. And then you're like, yeah. oh, shit, I forgot about the car and yeah. her job and the this yeah. and the that. And I mean, I I cannot express my thanks for everybody in a professional capacity and friends and family that stepped up. To help. I mean, there were people that jumped in and just... Like, you kind of forget about eating. And like, my dad was completely forgot about eating and like my oldest sister's friends we had food for months mm. i think afterwards and that that kind of stuff i'll always remember that's funeral director he was amazing that my dad wrote a, a three-page email to the uh ems responders because he thought that they were just the best people i mean oh, it was wow. just i i will never get over it. like you know it's easy these days to f- think about how terrible society can be but it's when something like this happens people step up in a huge way you get to see the compassion that does exist yeah, yeah. in the world. But but if I could, as somebody who's gone through this now, if I can give a piece of advice for people out there whose friends or family go through something like this, do not ask, what can I do for you? Just pick something or give them options and do it. There's Take a, initiative, right? Yeah, if I, I have to think about asking you what to do for me, you don't make it easier for exactly. me. Exactly. I had, we had one family member who sent, called every morning twice a day asking, and I just started making stuff up. Like it was just, just, just do, just get out of here kind of yeah, thing. You calling me is actually making my life more stressful. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've, I, I think about that. I, I, I know that's something that I will do. I mean, unfortunately at this situation, when the situation arises for people I care about, um, because I remember thinking like afterwards, it's like, I just need you to leave me alone. Honestly, that's the answer, you know, but yeah, it's, that was, that was shocking. And I mean, it, obviously it's a little harder cause we didn't expect her death right um but yeah it's crazy i mean that's that week was a whirlwind and so i didn't i don't even think i had a chance to even really think about it till we were sitting at the funeral and i got through most of it until the very end and i was just i just kind of lost it it was just like it finally like this urn on the table up there is my mom and just it finally hit you yeah Kyle, do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about your mom's life? And like you were mentioning all her medical challenges and yeah. what your mom was like. So, so uh, uh, full disclaimer, I didn't have the best relationship with my mother. Um, something we can talk about a little later, uh, how that affects me these days. Um, but my mom, I mean, she had a lot of personal traumas. Uh, sh- her mo- her sister, her old- my mom's the youngest a child in her family uh her sister who was just a little over a year older than her uh died in an accident when they were both not even in school yet um she's had i mean she had all sorts of personal drama but then just medical drama out the out the wazoo i mean i can't even list all the things that like what kind of bad luck did she bring I don't believe this, but did she bring bad luck upon herself? What yeah, did she like, do in a past life? Like, like what, what yeah, happened? Like, I mean, it, there was a lot of times where it was like, what? Like, like one. Th- my mom, of course, survived cancer multiple times. Breast cancer was a huge fight for her, um, but she, like I said, she won that. Um, she. <laughs> one way to describe it: so my mom loved. She she was born in Topsail Island. Lo- would go back 
any time she could for a day. Uh, spend as much time on the beach as she could. And she got an infection from ocean water that like only like a hundred people in North Carolina have ever been diagnosed with. Oh my God. Like that kind of stuff. The thing she loved almost killed her. Yeah. Uh, she had knee replacement surgery a year before she died with this renowned doctor at UNC and the knee was failing in a way that this doctor had never seen before. <laughs> like it was just that kind of stuff that it was just, it was exhausting to watch as a, as her kid. I can't imagine how exhausting it was to live it. Like I think about that a lot these days. I was like, I don't, like, there's just days of a hard day at work. I want to put my head through a wall. I can't imagine how she woke up every morning. That her own body was fighting against her yeah. at every turn. Yeah. But that was also kind of the idea, though, is that and that after she died, my sisters and I would talk about this. It was just always kind of the idea was like, you know, she's, but she always bounces back. It's invincible. Yeah. It was just a strange, it's still strange to think about that she's not here because it got to a point where like, it didn't matter how or how bad it got you just didn't really worry that much anymore i mean you worried about her comfort and how she felt but not that it was the end like death was never on the table anymore right yeah i mean it was that's exactly how i felt like i was never worried oh my mom's knocking on the door i mean my mom died at 61 years of age she wasn't close in my opinion even with all her health ailments yeah that she she could have and should have lived much, oh, much longer. longer yeah absolutely i mean there was always the worry that like if she got too old and the cancer came back again that that would be it but that was way down the line it was it was to say that it was a shock and that i was in shock for a while is an understatement yeah um but yeah so like it hit the emotion hit me at the funeral um like i guess i should say it finally caught up with me uh and i had my you know had a great cry <laughs> Uh, I've never been one afraid to cry. Might cry today, just an FYI. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it caught me then. Um, but then for about a month, I I kind of buried myself in work, uh, trying to stay as busy as I could. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to, I mean, I guess the best way to say it was just try to keep the emotions away. I just didn't want to feel any of it. And so I just ran away from it. Um well, Needless to say that that wasn't a healthy way to go about it. Unhealthy, yes. Expected, yes. Yeah. We yeah. see this often, right? Mm -hmm. As you were saying that your mom had already been through so much. And so you, by proxy, had been through so much that the scary, overwhelming, distressing emotions that come with death and grief, especially sudden death and grief, you're like, no, thank you. Yeah. I'll just yeah. deal with those later because I do not have time for that. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I specifically remember that I had, like, I... I kind of buried myself in work for about four to six weeks just to keep myself distracted. And uh, I had sometime had scheduled a long weekend before my mom had died and decided to still take it because I was just physically exhausted. And I was like, all right, it'll be good. I'll catch up. And it was a Monday, Tuesday off. And I woke up that Monday and realized everybody else is working. I'm not working. You know, I don't know how to fill this, fill this time up with anything. And like, I, I I went and bought breakfast somewhere, took it back to my place. And I don't know, I couldn't tell you if a song came on or I just randomly got hit with the emotion, but like I that Monday was now shot. Like I every emotion I think I was hiding from, running from came up and hit me in the face. And I and it didn't really stop for I mean, I, I don't know how long. 
I mean, it probably, I mean, obviously grief still comes back in any form. It's all, it's only been three years. I'm not foolish enough to think I'm over it. Um, but like you said, you had slowed down. So you, you'd given the emotions, the opportunity mm -hmm. to actually make their way to the surface, right? Staying busy, you stay distracted. You don't have to quote unquote feel anything. And then you sat down, took a beat and they were like, yes, here we go. Kyle is free and open. We're ready. And then you're like, holy crap. So, and, and the best way to describe it, especially that first week, because I, I remember waking up to go to work on Wednesday, that, that Wednesday and, and being like, I can't, I, I just can't. I had never, I mean, sure, I'd gone through some life stuff in life, but you know, I'm not, nothing too terrible that I couldn't handle. And this was the first time in my life that like emotions had prevented me from doing something. And like, just, I just kind of felt defeated. Yeah. And it was just, I, I mean, I, I felt obviously just pain and sadness. And, but one that shocks me, because I still get it sometimes, is I just get angry about it. I just get so angry about the whole situation. Like, I just feel cheated and robbed. And Some of that anger at anything specific, or is it just in general? Uh, I think... I think overall it's general, but I mean, if the one thought that I can have uh, that I do get angry about the most is just that I didn't get the chance to say goodbye. And I mean, that's. Yeah, that you were robbed of what seems like such a obvious minor is not the right word, but I'll use it here of like, of course, I should get that. Mm -hmm. Right, That's the least I should be offered. Maybe mm -hmm. that's how I want to say it. And you didn't. Yeah. So, so, and I, I know it's one of the first things I talked about. And I talked about it with my dad um, when I finally decided I need to start telling people about these emotions. Um, that it just felt wrong, um, but it was one of those things where, you know, at the time of my mother's death, death, we were not at a good place in our personal relationship. We were. It, it just, it just wasn't at a good spot. So I just, I'm angry that that's how it, that's how it ended. That we were not happy with each other kind of thing. It's just, it was an ugly moment and that's, that's how it ended. And that, I don't want to use the word haunt me, but I always, I think I'll always just, if I think about it, I'll always be upset about it. I'm not sure if you've ever heard this, Kyle, but there is, um, I believe for maybe theory is the way, what I want to say, but that human, our brain is biased to think of the negative. Mm -hmm. And so of, it makes sense that even if it wasn't as bad as you feel like it was, y'all's relationship at the time of your mom's death, that's what our brain mm -hmm. thinks about, right? Mm -hmm. We only tend to focus on the negative, what we didn't get to do or say and how we left things off. And of now there's no opportunity for you. It feels like, you know, that you can make amends for that. Mm -hmm. And it's... I mean, yeah, that's, that has been easily one of the biggest struggles because I, and I've said this to several people, I would give just about anything in the world to just get five minutes to talk to my mom. Yeah. Maybe five minutes wouldn't be enough. Yeah. <laughs> but five minutes would be nice. Yeah, but I'll say I'd, I'd take just about anything, but, but yeah, if just five, I mean, I, 
as this was one of the ways that I think I, I helped myself as I, I know what I would say. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you feel like you know what you'd say? But then you also think I'd get to that if whatever crazy magical circumstances ever allowed <laughs> that to happen, I'd probably get there and just not be able to say a word, but, but I know what I want to say. And that alone does help. Yeah. It just makes me feel better about, you know. What are your beliefs about crazy, magical, woo-woo? Do you believe that people visit in your dreams? Do you believe that you'll see them again? Do you have, you don't have to go down the rabbit hole with this conversation, but you were just saying, just even knowing that you'd know what to say does make you feel better. So does part of you feel like maybe they know that? So no. So I, uh, you know, it's just not something I've ever bought into if any of that stuff. It's not something I ever want to take away from anybody. I, I think it's, it's a great thing in society and in somebody's life when used properly. But I just, I think the fact that knowing what I want to say just helps me because I know I can't say it, but knowing that I'd love to be proved wrong. Like I'd love to have the opportunity to just have that, my thoughts of the afterlife and stuff thrown in my face. But uh, I don't want to say it's enough, but it's, it was just, it was healthy. It felt healthy to figure out what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. So when that moment came that you finally were like, okay, I'm going to stop running mm. from what I know I need to feel. And then I kind of want to backtrack on that too, by asking what was your relationship with emotions? You're the only male sibling in your Mm-hmm. in your dynamic of your family, right? Mm-hmm. You and your dad. So what was it like to feel emotions like that? Were you familiar with emotions most of your life? Did your dad show emotions? Yeah, so I am very fortunate that uh, my dad and my older sisters and my mom, like they would let me feel emotions. And I mean, growing up, it's like after a bad basketball game, if I wanted to cry, I could cr- cry. But I mean, it was, it was. I mean, even as it, I think it gets worse the older I get, I'll cry at a movie. I'll cry at a TV show. <laughs> Commercials. Yeah. It's, I mean, just, it's, it's fine. It's, I've never really been afraid of it, but I was, and which is weird. Cause I was afraid of these emotions. Cause I, maybe I knew that I wasn't ready for them or maybe not, not ready. Just. Well, you weren't, I mean, oh God, you, I just had the words and you just said it, I think perfectly. And then I attempted to take it from you, but yeah, just, you weren't ready. Yeah. Like, who's ready for their parent to die? Even if you're expecting your parent to die. It is. It's and like you think you're ready, right? You're like, oh, well, when and when the time comes, I will be able to deal yeah. with it because I've had an upbringing with emotions. But no, yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's funny too because what I I remember thinking the day of the funeral after I just kind of lost it and bawled for a little while, I was like, all right, that felt good. I'm fine, and for maybe two or three days, I was, and I think uh, I think going back to work, I was able to distract myself, even though. I will tell you, it is a very strange conversation to talk to people. Like everybody knows, everybody wants to talk to you about it. Everybody wants to give you their two cents. And I, I appreciate the sentiment of it. But at the same time, I got so over it so quick. I'll never forget uh, two co- conversations I had. One with a, a gentleman I work with in the office. Uh, he came up to me and he's like, well, how old was your mother? And I said, she's, she's 61. And he's like, oh, man, she was three years younger than me. And I was like, what the fuck do you want me to do with that information? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, uh-huh, yeah, and? Yeah. And it's just one of those things that's just like, well. People I, say the weirdest stuff when confronted with death. They do. And and I have, you know, I'm, I'm in sales, account management. Uh, a, a buyer that I talked to, she was, she's in her 50s. 
And she said something to me. She's like, oh, man, I couldn't imagine what I would do if I lost my mom. I was like, you've had 25 more years with your mother than I did. Like, it's just one of those things that, like, I know nobody's saying this stuff to be mean or they're trying to say it to help. But at the same time, it's like these things are ingrained in my brain. Like, don't be this idiot. Yes. Yes. I love that you just said that. My biggest pet peeve for me when my dad died, especially, I think I was so much younger when my mom died that I didn't hear this as often, but I heard it way more after my dad died was I don't know how you do it you're you must be so strong yeah oh Jesus what other option do I have yeah um, I could die too yeah I mean or I could just like be a mess on the floor and I don't know what good that's gonna serve anybody exactly yeah those first few days back to work and going to visit clients and accounts and all those things everybody's like oh I'm just so glad to see you back already that must have been so hard and I'm like yeah what do you I, you think I'm happy being here right now like let's get this conversation over with so I'm I can only here because I have to be yeah. here like I don't yeah. actually want to be here like don't get you and I started which I've definitely said this multiple times on this podcast when talking about death but bereavement leave oh, don't even a, get me started. it's a joke my company was, I will say, for as understanding as 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 they could possibly be, and I appreciate every and I could talk about it in front of my bosses and stuff like that, and they were they were great. But it's still, I had seven days off, and that's still. Just, and I remember going waking up to that first day going back to work, and just being like, "Man, I'm just I'm just too tired for this right now." Grief is physically and mentally exhausting. Yeah, I think that's one part that people don't think about, and grief. I mean, you've said it a ton when it, it can still hit you at any time randomly. And then you're just, it just zaps you. You're just like, all right, I don't, I don't want to do anything. And it comes out of nowhere. It does. Yeah. Three years later, two days after, yeah. 600 years later. It's just, it is, it's, it's crazy how, you know, one second, I don't want to say one, I don't, I don't think it's ever real quick for me, but it can be like one day I'm doing swell, not even thinking about anything. And the next day, by the end of the day, I'm just, I'm just zapped. I'm just over it. Yeah. And I can imagine that when you went back to work and maybe not just your coworkers, but people in your life, because your mom died one suddenly, tragically, and in a way that isn't talked about very often, you may have gotten more questions than somebody else whose parent died in a different way. Yeah. And yeah, because everybody, um, so because nobody, you know, my mom wasn't currently sick at the time, it threw off everybody. But because of the way my mom died, um, and which I don't think I've said it, I didn't know if I wanted to say it, but I will actually say it because I think it's important. Uh, the cause of my mom's death was suicide. I gotcha, huh? I'll never be okay saying it. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. But we didn't, I don't know actually how many people know because I don't outright and say it. Um, But yeah, so I would just, I would just usually say something, you know, it was tragic, unexpected, and I'd leave it at that. And and I will, uh, I'll give society credit. Most people would let me go just with that. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, don't, if we can give any advice, right? Like, don't push people. Don't and cry, yeah. We know it's well-intentioned, but mm-hmm. and humans also are curious creatures. Mm-hmm. We have this, like, gluttonous desire to kind of know things that are un- uncomfortable. And we, I get that, right? Especially being in the field that I'm in. And, like, just take a step back. Don't pry, don't push people to tell you more than they're ready. Because, like, you just 
so vulnerably and so willingly shared with us, like it's really hard to acknowledge how we lose people and how someone has died if we aren't even willing to acknowledge and accept it yet. And yeah, and I ran when we got the autopsy and that was, was the cause I ran away from that. And that was part of that, that stretch. I, I just tried to bury that as deep as I could, but you know, and for the several months, most of 2018 after it happened, uh, I fought it. I fought Mm -hmm. the thought that that was what happened. I fought, I fought everything about it for as long as I could. Um, was part of you searching for another answer? Uh, yes. Uh, or hoping that there would have been I, I something. Was, I, I can't say that I was searching. I was just, I mean, I, I think the best way to put it was I was just denying it. Like I just, yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways it made sense, but in a lot of ways I just, I just hated the fact that that's what, that's what it was. And it's, and I like the, uh, actually no holiday season has been felt great since, but that first holiday season, I, cause that was the time of the year where my mom was, was usually doing pretty great. And, and the family was great. And it was, uh, you know, when we were together, it was great. And even if we were having bad times, you usually, me and my mom were still, still doing pretty good. And, um, and so it, that first holiday season after it ended, cause my mother's birthday is actually New Year's Eve. Um, about midway through January that that first year, I was like, I've can't, I can't, I can't do this because I was just, I was just hurting myself. I was just putting, fighting it for so long that when it did hit me, it hit me way too hard. Um, Denial only works. Yeah, avoidance only works until it doesn't yeah, anymore. Yeah, it, that's that's a great way to put it because, I mean, it just kicked my ass, and I, I, I couldn't even push it away anymore. Like it was just winning every day, and I couldn't live that way, and so. I I finally sought out help and it took a couple of different people and and you know I I went to somebody that my sisters were using but that was like religious based and that wasn't right for me and I went to Yeah, didn't you not to like interject here but I will. What did you tell Do you remember what I'm talking about when I'm saying there was like something that you were told or your sisters were told through that person and you were like I just can't. So uh I want to say it was that because it was a religious figure that I spoke to and that's not a big part of my life at all. Um, but my sister had had a lot of success talking to this lady. Um, and I love, I love, I'll love her for that. Cause she helped my sister out a ton. Um, but in our conversation and our meeting with it, it was me talking about struggling with the aspect of the cause of her death that she kind of, pushed it to the side because I think it scared her as as a religious person like how do I tell this person that that's okay if she didn't believe it was okay and it was and so I I don't want to say I got angry but I was just like I I I told her I was like look this isn't right for me you know and and she took it but but it was just like I can't like your beliefs and my beliefs are different it's just not going to mesh well, and it sounds like you needed a safe place to actually express how you were feeling exactly, without yeah. being brushed off mm-hmm. because your feelings were scaring somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was different. And I, I, but I did find a therapist. He was, he was great. Um, Another plug for male therapy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, need to actually get back into it, honestly. Um, 
but yeah, I did it for a good little while and had a lot of success. Um, it doesn't mean that there wasn't still challenges, which I had to get used to. Um, and that there's not still challenges that I still need to get used to. <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was, it was, ext- it, at first I was questioning it. I'll be completely honest. Cause I would go and I would sit and I would talk and then I wouldn't, it's not that I, I guess I would say I wasn't feeling better, better fast enough. And so I was still kind of fighting with like, how do I actually, I want a quick fix, fix me right yeah, now. I, like, how do I beat these emotions? Like that was just it. Like I, they were, they were beating me. How do I fight back? And I mean, I was told that it wasn't going to be fast, but I didn't mean I wasn't hoping for it and fighting for it. And so I, you know, and it's, you know, the death day is always going to be a struggle for me. I hate, it's hard to say that you hate a day, but I hate that day. And I don't know how holidays will ever feel again. Like my mom was the the matriarch. She brought us all together. And so it's just, it's just kind of crazy to think like, how do we do that without her? Yeah. Like it's like birthdays. Like she was the one that here's what we're doing for so-and-so's birthday. And it was just. Who's going to step up and yeah. do those things and, now. And, and everybody's tried and, 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 done a great job but it's just it's just still so different well, like how they're you, never gonna be your mom exactly like how do you and here's the thing i think you're on the cusp of that word and maybe i'm wrong but you don't replace it oh no and i think at first we were thinking that who is gonna replace it and now i think we're all just kind of figuring out that it's just not it's just not a replacement no things just change exactly and it's kind of like i think i was saying at the beginning like I was going to say I'm feeling more and more normal every day, but then my new normal is never going to be the old normal. It's just, it's just not. And that's, that's okay. I just have to figure out what that is. Yeah. Things shift in your priorities and your perspectives after the death of a loved one or a family member. And like you said, even if things were rocky towards the end, death still impacts you and you still become a different person. And, you know, I posted something, I think on Father's Day weekend, maybe I shared it on Instagram. And I don't remember who said it. And I wish I'd had it screenshotted it for this moment. But it was saying how I'm still learning how to live in a world and figure out who I am without my parent Mm -hmm. and or parents being alive. Mm -hmm. Because up until the point that your mom died, you had only known your life with her in it. And it's, it's true. Like it's, I remember the day that we closed in our house. Like the first call I would have made after that would have been to my parents and it was still to my dad. But my mom wasn't there to hear it too. Like it's just, it's what those kind of things that like, I used to, you know, honestly, our relationship used to get so rocky that I used to think, I was like, is my mom even going to come to my wedding? Now all I can think about thinking about a wedding, not all, but one of the (laughs) things I think about getting married one day is like, I would I would do anything for a mother son dance, anything to have that moment. Yeah. And I just, I don't get to. And it's I, because you were robbed of the opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. I know I've watched videos, you know, self torture over here of people getting married and dancing with their parent who is terminally ill, mm. you know, or a parent who they didn't think would live until that time or for whatever reason. And, just sobbing, right? Watching those being like, why didn't I think to do that? You know, but who would, when do you think to be that proactive? I mean, that's great for them, but. Exactly. Like, how do you, how do you even know? Yeah. 
I didn't even I I'm shocked at how much I do want it just because I can't have it kind of yeah. thing. It's it is it. It's one of those things that I just I never would have thought of because my mom was alive and she was always going to be alive in my mind. Yep. I mean, maybe not always, but for a long time. A reasonable amount of time, yeah, right? Like, like I, she'll die when she's 100 in her sleep. It's fine. Yeah, like I was 29 when my mom died. I can't even, like I hadn't, I was, I mean, in every way I still felt like a kid. Like it was crazy. It's, it's still crazy to think about. Do you feel like you grew up? In a lot of ways, yeah. I, I, and, and some, and it, yeah. In a lot of ways, yes. And it, and one funny way is I am, and it's probably due to current circumstances, I am extremely protective of my father now. Like, I want <laughs> the world for my dad because all of a sudden my parents aren't invincible anymore. Like, something could happen. And so I... It, yeah, the veil comes down, yeah. right? And you're like, oh, crap, you yeah. can die. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and in some ways, I, I, I think this might sound like a negative, but I... I'm like trying to be more ahead of bad situations. Like I think. Yeah. Planful problem solving. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ways that I think I just, I grew em- maybe emotionally that I just needed to feel like I could approach those situations better than I did this last one. I don't think that that sounds like a negative And I, I could see how someone may hear that as like, we're not trying to put a silver lining on anything. Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing you say is because I went through that now, when I know I will handle difficult situations in the future, I'm going to figure out how to not have them hit me so damn hard exactly. in the face the next time. Yeah. Or at least if I know it's going to, you know, just throw me out of whack again, just be more prepared to take the right actions, not yeah. to push them off. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I think back to like we were just saying, you know, handling two different deaths at two different times of my life, you know, almost 10 years apart. But I remember that I like didn't go to therapy after my mom's death. You know, I was like, whatever, I'm invincible. I'm 17 years old. And after my dad's, I waited like two months and I was like, okay, sign me up. Where's the therapist? Let's get this ball rolling. Mm -hmm. My therapist was like, you're early. Like, why are you here? And I was like, because we're going to do this. We're going to do it right this time. Yeah. I I could totally understand. I would probably be the exact same way because it's just, I, I I know I waited too long. I know I let myself get way too beat up for way too long. That you didn't have to go through that. Exactly. That's that's the way to put it. Like I I did it to myself. Um, nobody else. You know, several people did talk to me about taking that step, and I remember thinking like, uh, shut up. <laughs> more of like, I can take. You know, I've always been able to take care of myself. It's it's honestly the way my parents raised me. I can handle this. And I just, I couldn't. I, the fact of the matter is I actually could not handle it. It was more than I could take care of, take on on myself. And I started to talk to close friends about it more and they were amazing. I started to go to therapy and that was amazing. And I started to, you know, it took about a year, but to really open myself up to really letting those emotions happen when they happen and then moving on with my day. And then, but it's, it's true. I mean, I still, I, there'll still be days where it's, you know, all of a sudden I'll start to think about it and I just, it just hits, like you said, I just, the best way I can say it is it hits me in the face. Like I'm not, not ready or I'm surprised when it happens, but I at least now feel like I have the tools to handle it when it happens. I love that. That's exactly right. And when it comes to suffering, right? Suffering is inevitable. Oh, yeah. If you're a human being, hate to break it to you. If you haven't figured this out by now, you're going to suffer at some point in some capacity, 
don't suffer more than you have to, mm-hmm. right? Don't pick the thing that's going to make you suffer more because of pride or shame or whatever social construct you believe you have to fit into, right? Like you're saying, like, I thought I had it figured out and I didn't need those people and I didn't need that help. And lo and behold, I was just causing more suffering for myself that I didn't have to go through. Yeah, it is. It's been, but uh, silver lining, it's, it's helping in my current situation. Like you said, it's, I know now with my dad going through what he's going through that when I do start to feel these emotions, I, I talk immediately about it. And I, when I, I mean, the biggest emotions fear, like I'm just afraid of losing them. And I, not that we're close to that step, hopefully, but it's just when you lose one parent, as soon as anything happens in the next, I just feel like it's just automatically, you just kind of want to be like, no, this can't be happening. You tense up, right? Got something to prevent or control that. Exactly. And it's just, I, I know I'm handling this better because of what I've already gone through, what I've learned going through that, that. I can handle this stress more than I would have been able to before. Cause I'm extremely close with my father. I mean, it's, I, I look like my mom, but I, I, my mannerisms are exactly like my dad. We, we cross our legs at the same time. We, we <laughs> scratch. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. We, we talk the same, we act the same, the best, some of the best parts about me are emulating my dad. So I can't, and I just, I get angry and upset that he has to go through this, but it's just, at least now when I do start to feel that way, I feel comfortable talking about it. I feel comfortable accepting those emotions and then getting on with it. Good. Embracing yeah. it, right? Exactly. Don't run away from it. Yeah. It's not to say it's not exhausting again, but at least this time I do feel more ready for the fight. I love that. Kyle, how are you doing today? Today's today's good. I mean, I've had a great weekend. Uh, had a the last few weeks have been a lot of fun, Just hanging out with friends again. Now that COVID stuff is hopefully knock on wood dying down, um, getting to you know get out of town a couple weekends, buying a house as stressful as it was has been almost rewarding in a way. Like it's like I would hope so. Yeah, it's like you know really feeling like a grown up again. <laughs> um, I'm really into home projects. Like I've got this. We've made a list. We're going to make it, we're going to prioritize what we want to do. It's just, uh, it's just weird how much I enjoy that. You're a real suburban couple now, huh? Yeah. Like I, I hate, hate how much I love going to Lowe's. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. I mean, Lowe's I, must, put, must put something in the air, like buy house, must shop at Lowe's. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. I mean, I, I mean, I could spend three hours in a Lowe's just walking around being like, yep, I wanted that. Yep. I like that. I could see doing that in my place. Like it's. It's so funny, but yeah, I, I've got a lot of really great things going right now. My partner, Katie, is amazing. I'm so happy to have her in my life, um, but I've got one really shitty thing happening, and I, I'm i not going to let it control me, but I'm going to do everything I can to help my dad through it, and I mean, it's, it's it sucks, but we're both going to keep a strong, positive attitude, and we're going we're gonna to fight like hell. Yeah, we're gonna do whatever we can, right? Exactly. Cancer's cancer's a bitch. Cancer is the most annoying thing, and, and it's funny too because because prostate cancer, as maybe you remember, when you first get it as an older man, they, there's a lot of guys that get it and they don't even worry about it. Yeah, they're like it's very treatable. Yeah, and it's like either and sometimes the the doctor was telling us when they we first met with him, 
uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that I at 65 that I diagnosed with prostate cancer that we never do anything about because it does it'll move so slow. Something else will kill you before. <laughs> and we're great. Yeah, and then where my dad gets diagnosed in July of last year, and it's been a shit show since. I mean, it's been. I mean, he's been through entirely too much. It's been way too hard. And it's just, it's again, I want to say it's not fair to him for everything else he's had to go through. And I think that's my my biggest issue with it now. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking to get back into therapy because I want to get ahead of it this time. I want to talk about those kind of feelings. I do, again, shout out for it, especially as a dude. I know, I know it's getting better because I can see it in my male relationships. It's getting better. Uh, I think this generation and even the generation younger it's getting better with those kind of things yeah. but don't be ashamed of it you know it's there's stuff that out there that we can't handle don't be afraid to get help yeah we're not supposed to handle exactly like, we're not are we born to handle death are we born to handle yeah you know um hardship I mean, yes to an extent but that doesn't mean you're supposed to handle it alone and born knowing the tools to, or having the tools to handle it, right? So go to therapy. That's why the field exists. Mm-hmm. Anytime anyone ever, you know, let me use this word lightly here, fights me on, oh, well, I don't understand why I'm not able to handle this. And I'm like, because you're not supposed to. Are you a robot? Yeah. Like, go to therapy. That's why thousands of dollars are spent on this field. That's why I have a whole degree. Mm-hmm. If therapy truly is a sham, well, my whole career is just shit. Yeah. And I just, I don't know if I ever thought that, but I just, I think I was, a, I th- thought so much of myself that I didn't think I would need it. And now I'm, now that I've done it and it worked so well, I'm just like, yeah, why, you know, why not embrace it? Yeah. What else are you doing to take care of yourself? Uh, well, I'm, I'm looking for new hobbies. Uh, I've, I've, what haven't had a good hobby really since my mom died. Um, I'm play, toying with the idea of learning how to play the piano because that always Ooh. intrigued me. Josh will help you. Yeah. Yeah. I need to take advantage of Mr. Music Man over here. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, and, I, I, I always struggled with foreign language in school. I ended up taking Latin. Ooh. But now I kind of want to learn Spanish. Katie can, Katie spent a semester in Spain. Um, and it's just one of those things that just sounds, now that I'm older, it sounds cool. And I kind of like the challenge of it. You're kind of jealous of the people that can speak it. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. when somebody, like when somebody does whip out a foreign language and like has like a mini conversation, I look at them, I'm like, man, that just seems so cool. I love that. Um, and honestly, I just physically need to start taking better of myself. I am trying my best to eat healthy. Uh, yeah, that was one thing. I ate, I guess I stressed ate when my mom died. What was your, if you had to pick a go-to meal, do oh, you remember? I, I ate so much Taco Bell, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I mean, it's, I lived way too close to a Taco Bell. I drove past a Taco Bell too much. And every time I saw it and was remotely hungry, I got a chicken quesadilla. So and chicken it, quesadillas were your yeah, go-to grief and, food. Yeah, and it was, it was weird because I had, beforehand, I had lost weight. And got myself to a good place. And then afterwards, I I still feel like I still eat too much for it. But but yeah, I, uh, I want to get back into a gym, really start taking care of myself again. That was a big part of my youth. I played a ton of sports. Um, I need to get back into that because you just feel better. I think physical health plays a huge part in mental health. Oh, 100%. They're more connected than we used to give it credit for. Yeah. Absolutely. You bringing up grief foods. There's an account I follow on Instagram called Grief Hungry. Y'all should follow them. 
If you don't, I think that's correct. I'll link it in the show notes. But um, she talks a lot about grief meals and grief food. And one of the most common answers we hear and get is that buttered noodles. (laughs) It's like what people eat as a grief food. It's easy. It's comforting. Mm -hmm. Butter has fat. It's got carbs. So the energy that comes from it, um, it's just very soothing of a food. Oh, yeah. I could totally get that. I could totally. Mine was definitely pizza and like pasta. I was about to say, I just... I could say that I just avoided the kitchen, though. And when I would make a meal, I loved it. And when I would take care of myself that way, because it was usually a healthier food, so I'd feel better. But I just avoided, like, I just... Well, the effort to cook was Yeah, immense. exactly. This was a quick fix. Let me just yep. Let me just swing through this, this drive-thru. Yep. And I, the funny thing is, I remember, I hate drive-thrus. <laughs> I don't like the little box talking through the box. I feel like I can't hear them. They can't hear me. Didn't what? Matter, didn't matter then, because I feel like if I was standing in line ordering food at Taco Bell, I might cry. <laughs> just thinking about I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's a good deterrent then. Don't yeah. go through the drive-through. Exactly. Yes, watch what you eat when when you have a grief involved if you can so that you don't have to deal with any issues later. Exactly. In your life. Yeah. Kyle, I want to thank you one for coming on the show, right? And being vulnerable and talking about your life and just thank you for the friendship that you've given me. Um, I'm going to be very emotional right now because our death days are coming up for our parents and I've gone through quite a bit of my life not having this group of people to lean on and to have support from and I cannot tell you how much lighter I do feel on these heavy days knowing that we have these consistent meetings and that I have you and Katie and another couple friends of ours that I won't name until they feel comfortable being named um, to, you know, Tessa to come out and say like, I feel fucking awful and like I need someone to talk to who gets it and no one is judging me or I don't have to monitor my emotions and dim my emotions for how I'm feeling about that. So although I hate that you're here, I'm also super grateful that you are. I I agree completely. I cannot stress enough how great TPC is. I mean, it's not like that we sit there and talk about the the worst shit that happened in our lives all the time, but when some of us somebody needs to say something, they do, and it's embraced and it's loved and it's cared for and it's. I mean, it's been a huge help because one of the ways I, I think I struggled until I started talking to people, I felt so alone for so long, even though, I mean, my sisters went through it, my dad went through it. It's just, it's hard not to feel alone. And it's just great to find a group of people around our same age, way too fucking young in my opinion, but it's been, it's been great. I can't for no knowing of you for so long, Susan, I'm so glad that we really know each other now. Am I famous? (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Um, I'm grateful too. And thank you so much for coming on here and shouting out therapy. Please Therapists are over, uh, what's the word I want to use? There's a lot of wait lists right now. So mm. please like be patient with therapists, but please uh, reach out, reach out to me if you feel like you don't know where to start, Psychology Today. Uh, there's a couple other outlets uh, that are more specific to maybe whether you're a person of color or maybe you have certain interests or XYZ. You know, there are other platforms that you can use to find therapists, but please just start, just start talking to somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't, don't ever be ashamed of it. Getting help is the right thing to do. Well, Kyle, what is one thing? Maybe not one thing. What, what is a, Kyle, what is a phrase, mantra that you want to share with us that you feel like you live your life by? Uh, so my grandpa used to always say, fortune favors the prepared. Uh, it's usually been used for me for 
schoolwork and and work work and my career and and stuff like that. And I do find comfort in preparation. Um, it's actually from an old French chemist uh, that he stole that from, but uh, it's it does help. Kind of like I'm saying now, I feel more prepared in my emotional life too. So I just try to you know just prepare as much as I can, be ready for as much as I can be. But I also got to know if something happens I wasn't prepared for, just got to learn how to roll with it. That's okay, right? We can't be prepared for everything, but fortune favors the prepared to the extent that you can be prepared. Exactly. And I I do believe in being as prepared as possible for things. And it, it helps with my stress levels. So that's, Absolutely. I don't think it helps, you know, a lot of people say they work better on the fly, live your life, but this is, it certainly helps me. Well, thank you so much for that. And I look forward to you know, continuing our friendship. And unfortunately, this group will continue to grow. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. you know, thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, just thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Like I said, I I think this is an honor. I love this show. Uh, If you're listening and you haven't told other people to listen to it yet, please do, because it's nice to hear real people talking about real life shit. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. And follow us on social media at I've Been Better.pod.